I understand some things a lot better now as a caregiver than I did when I started. Like, I don't have to get upset when she's not plugged into reality. It's okay. If her reality is a happy one and it's not affecting her day-to-day, then why not let her be happy? Hey, everyone. This is the AgeWise podcast. Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down. When we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaritis. Illinois resident Maggie McLean is one of millions of caregiving daughters who feel they sometimes have to choose between being a good employee and being a good daughter. When we spoke with Maggie in July of 2017, she had chosen to be a good daughter. Her father had died a few years earlier, and Maggie had quit her job and moved in with her mother to care for her 24-7. Maggie's mom has Alzheimer's disease, and she's nearly blind because of severe macular degeneration. She also has permanent vertigo from a stroke and a few other medical complications. If you missed our previous interview with Maggie, go back and give it a listen. It's titled, The Hardest Job I'll Ever Love. Today, we're catching up with Maggie to learn what's new in her and her mom's life since we spoke nearly a year ago. Maggie McLean joins us from Fairview Heights, Illinois. Maggie, welcome back to the AgeWise podcast. Thanks so much, Jana. It's, it's nice to be back. So for folks who don't know the backstory, you and your mom have lived together for five years now, is it? Well, it was four years in December, so just okay. over four years. Just over four years, okay. Mm-hmm. And you moved in after your father died in 2013, I think you said? Yes, right. December of 2013. Right, mm-hmm. and you had briefly looked at some assisted living facilities, but then you ultimately decided to move in with her because you had more flexibility in your schedule than your siblings, right? That's right. And with my mom's particular problems, it was so much easier for her to have someone be with her in her own home than Mm -hmm. to have her adjust to a new facility and, and a new place to be. And she was used to having my dad care for her in her own home. And so I just thought it would be better for her And I think it has been. By all accounts, her doctors seem to uh, marvel at how well she's doing overall. They can't attribute it to anything other than probably staying in her own home and and being happy. You know, I invite the little great-grands over and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So she has time with them one-on-one and... Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a better format for her, being at a party where they all are. Everyone pretty much comes to her. (laughs) I will take her to birthday parties on occasion, particularly if she's having a particularly good day. And um, I I think it's nice for her to be there. I think it's good for the kids that she's there. Uh But, um, for instance, there was one in uh, January, and Mom wasn't particularly well. It was very, very cold out that day, you know, with the wind chill being in the negatives, and it was flu and cold season, and there were going to be like 30 kids, and oh. it was like, okay, and for our next talent, we'll balance plates on sticks. Oh. I mean, it's like, this is, this is too much. Well, the difficulty level is just too high on this one. We're just going to stay home, and then we'll invite them over separately and have a little get-together over here mm-hmm. with the parents, and 
and the child and siblings and that kind of thing. And that, that seems to work out very well as an alternative. And this time of year, you just kind of hunker down and try and keep her as safe as you can. Yeah, <laughs> and away from any germ contagion germs possibilities. and ice. Yeah. And I mean, they're just a million right. scary things. Yeah. These are the things that I stay awake at night worrying about. Oh, no, no doubt. <laughs> the germs and the ice. But at any rate, she loves seeing the kids. Let's uh, continue to set the stage for the listeners who perhaps haven't heard the first episode and don't necessarily have the time okay. to come back. You're divorced. Uh, you don't have kids. But as you said, right. you've got nieces and nephews, and they're all, they live nearby, so they're a big part of your mom's life and your life. You come mm -hmm. from a very really much, very loving family, and you have two mm -hmm. older sisters. You're the youngest of three girls. You referred to yourself in our previous interview as the planned child. Um, yes, <laughs> oddly enough. I want to uh, start with something you mentioned in the email to me, which is that your mom is in rehab. Is she still in rehab? And tell us what happened. She is. She was doing very well last year, and it wasn't too long after our first podcast mm -hmm. that she really started to deteriorate and her her appetite which has always been so good just went away completely and I would you know I was fixing all of her favorite things and just begging her to eat and I mean if I could get five bites downer a day I was hmm. lucky hmm. and so she just started dropping weight like crazy and of course that's not a healthy thing. And so I, I finally got her into her uh, primary care and, and she prescribed appetite stimulant that takes weeks mm -hmm. to actually start working. And mm -hmm. But it did start working. But in the meantime, she'd lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. And of course, that made her more frail and more susceptible to things. And, and she got some more urinary tract infections. Mm -hmm. And as you and probably many of the listeners know, that's such a bad thing in elderly people, particularly. It's mm -hmm. just so hard on them. And yeah. uh, it causes her heart to get all out of whack and then her kidneys get all upset and it turns into like a systemic thing mm -hmm. going on. So she was in and out of the hospital in the fall several times hmm. and they just would keep her in bed. Well, th that makes her so much weaker and she's, you know, not ready for a marathon to begin with. Right. So over time she got weaker and weaker. Well, then this last out. She had a UTI, but she went in because her heart was all a mess mm -hmm. uh, because of the UTI. And so she she was in the hospital, and over the course of maybe six weeks, she'd been in and out maybe three times. Hmm. And so the hospital said, you know, look, she probably needs to go to, directly to rehab instead of directly home. And she was weak enough that I had real concerns about bringing her directly home mm -hmm. and my ability to care for her adequately here mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. And mom has been in rehab twice before. Once when we happened to be in Florida when she got very ill and she ended up with a stent in uh, intensive care there and then she was in the hospital for a while and then she was in rehab for almost three weeks before I could bring her back home. Mm -hmm. And then another time locally here, she was in a rehab facility for two or three weeks. And for mom, rehab has been a very scary and depressing thing for her. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because of her very poor vision. Right. She can't see faces, so she listens for voices. She mm. hears a bunch of voices that she doesn't recognize. Mm. She doesn't know where any of the furniture is placed. 
so she's afraid to move oh. around you know and so it's a scary thing yeah and and every day you know i'd be there i'd get there the minute i could in the morning and i would stay until you know they were ready to boot me out at night and she would be please don't leave me please don't leave me as oh, i'm God. going home after a 14-hour day i know and it just you know tears you apart and she's you know why can't you stay well mom i've got to go home and do some things and i've got to take my medicine that's at home and mm -hmm. you know and plus there's a limit to i mean 14 hours of sitting there and tending to her during the day is pretty exhausting i oh, have yeah. to say not physically but more emotionally than, mm -hmm. than anything else and so we had resisted further attempts at rehab, but this time I really thought it was necessary. And I went and physically, I mean, this was not part of the hospital suggestion, but I just physically went and looked at some of the facilities that they were suggesting as possible places where she could go for a rehab. Mm -hmm. And I went and looked at them. I went unannounced. I just walked in and hmm. and asked, you know, explained the situation and said, I'd like to just look around and ask them questions and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and how were you received? Uh, very well at the places where I would have considered her going. Mm -hmm. I was received very well. Mm -hmm. The other ones, if they if they acted like they were taken away unawares and they had something to hide, well, then they were off the list anyway. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> the place that she ended up, I walked in and it smelled like something familiar and nice. Okay. It wasn't a unpleasant smell. Okay. Uh, there weren't people just warehoused there. It is a true rehab facility. Everyone there is working to get to another location. So there aren't any people that live there, which I've found makes a big difference. So I've learned from all of this, but this has been a completely different experience for mom. And she has been responding so well, and she's been really upbeat and working her little tail end off. I well, what is she doing? How she, is she being rehabbed? They do physical therapy, mm -hmm. occupational therapy, and speech therapy. And when they speech therapy, when she has a really bad urinary tract infection, a lot of times her speech will become affected, which is an odd. Hmm. I mean, the first hmm. time this happened, I thought she'd had a stroke because her speech was slurred and what was coming out didn't make sense. And she'd look at me like, I don't think that made sense. <laughs> I think, well, I'm glad you don't think it makes sense to me. It's so interesting that you said that because my mom had a UTI too, and she was saying very strange things. I, I wonder yes. if that's a, a typical manifestation of UTIs. I think it's it, in elderly people, it is not an unusual manifestation. Mm -hmm. Confusion in on, on a bunch of different levels. Yeah, yeah. And mom will hallucinate, and she will just know she's seeing things. Uh -huh. You know, she will know that she's seeing a person that she hasn't seen in years. And the person that she hasn't seen in years is still the age they were when she last saw them. So all of her college friends are still that age. And she'll say, he's such a nice young man. And I'll think, well, if he's still alive, he's darn pushing 90. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just keep these things to myself. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference. The, the truth is, it used to really bother me when she wasn't always plugged into reality and I thought she has to understand she has and the truth is she doesn't she doesn't always have to understand and what she hallucinates is almost always a happy thing uh -huh. it's very seldom anything unpleasant or scary mm -hmm. so why not let her be happy if it's not going to matter 
because she's got me as the buffer to mm-hmm. take care of things. A so firewall. Why not let her be happy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not let her be happy? And in her world, very often, Daddy is still alive, and uh, oh. her parents are still alive. And, and her father died. You know, my grandfather died when I was in fifth grade, so he's been gone a long, 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 mm-hmm. long, long time. But very often... They're all still alive, and her grandmother is still alive. Well, you know, she'd be like 150, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but she's still alive, and, you know, it doesn't hurt anything. And, and I've come to that realization that she doesn't have to always be plugged into reality. Reality can be hard, and if she can be spared some of that and be happy and there's somebody to take care of the details, then why not? It doesn't hurt a thing. When did she go into rehab? She's been there almost two weeks. Okay, and when does she get out? Do you know? Well, they had a care conference yesterday. The team that's working with her meets every Monday. They try to keep the same people working with her, which works very nicely Mm -hmm. at this facility. I've been so impressed with this place. Good. Uh, The people are very caring, and it, it seems to matter to them how, you know, really matter to them, how people are treated. And from the people who clean her room to the doctors, everybody is very compassionate and thoughtful and pleasant Mm -hmm. to deal with. And I think it's made a huge difference. And mom is, there's not this crying and begging every night when I leave. Mm, What a relief. Please don't, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, because I'm always the one that's there at the end of the night. Right. (laughs) I'm always the one that hears it. And my middle sister heard it at one point when she was at rehab previously. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she's bursting into tears. I can't take it when mom's like that. Oh, and I thought, (laughs) oh gosh, you know, you got to buck up here, honey. (laughs) This happens often. and, And it is, it's terribly hard. You just have to kind of pick your battle Mm -hmm. and you have to know where to draw the line for yourself because if I get to the place where I'm not in a good place mentally and I'm not physically strong and I'm not mentally strong then I'm not going to be of any use to mom she's got to have somebody who's got her wits about her most of the time Mm -hmm. and if I'm there every day 14 hours and I'm exhausted and I'm you know I'm a mental mess because mom's begging me to stay and that kind of thing that's no good for mom. That's not helpful. And as her primary caregiver and as her voice, I'm her advocate. Right. I have to be the person she needs me to be to argue for her, to call somebody out. I had to get on one of the doctors when she went in the hospital because he was just being dismissive. And mom wasn't in any place to challenge him. She mm-hmm. just wasn't. And the nurses were afraid to because there was a conversation before the doctor showed up. Hmm. And the nurse, there were four nurses in there, and they were all afraid of this guy. And I thought, well, he doesn't have to like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he just has to take care of my mom. And if push comes to shove, it's more important that he take care of mom that I win some prize for miscongeniality. Yeah, and that's so pretty much what, where I, you get to at a certain point, right? You just reach that absolutely. point where you don't even care what they think of you. No. And he was going to dismiss me and he started to walk out of the room. He Mm. turned his back on me and started to walk out of the room. And I thought, well, I got to stop this guy because I'd been telling him mom hasn't had her night meds. Mom hasn't had her night meds. And I kept telling him and without an order from the doctor, the nurses can't do anything. And so I said, mom hasn't had her meds. And he turned around and started walking out. Yeah. Well, sometimes we skip those. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm exhausted, and I'm worried about mom, and he is acting like I'm a nitwit, and I'm not 
medically trained, but I know mom. When do you anticipate her getting out? They just had a meeting yesterday. Okay, right. And I was invited to be there. And they said they don't have a projected date yet, Mm -hmm. but that they will reevaluate her on Monday. And then we'll talk again after that. Mm -hmm. So I would anticipate within the next week, based on what I've seen in the last two days that she's able to do, she's stronger than she's been in quite some time. And has she gained some weight? Um, She hasn't lost any, which being in a facility like that is quite surprising. She's actually gained a pound or two. In fact, one of the things that I was interested in about these various places, too, is where does the food service come from? Because Mm -hmm. if she's not going to eat, then she's not going to get stronger. And it's affiliated with a hospital here that she not only tolerates the food well, she affirmatively likes the food. And, you know, if she's not going to eat, she's not going to get well. Right. Do you want to tell uh, us the name of the uh, rehab facility? We're not here to promote anything, but it sounds like a great facility. And for people who live in the Fairview Heights, Illinois area, which is close to St. Louis, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Yes, it's just across the river from St. Louis. It's called Memorial Care Center. It's affiliated with Memorial Hospital in Belleville, Illinois. I grew up in Belleville. Great. So that's the name of it, Memorial Care Center. And I've just been so pleased, and it's really been a game changer with regard to how our family, and mom in particular. Well, Maggie, um, how has it been for you to have the house to yourself? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's been very strange. In fact, the first few nights, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, I've got to check on mom. Uh only to realize, oh, well, wait, she's not here. Mm -hmm. Because it's not uncommon for me to wake up several times in the night to check on her. I bet you're getting more sleep. I am getting more sleep, Mm -hmm. which is is nice, and more continuous sleep Mm -hmm. than interrupted sleep, which is my normal method of sleep. So that's been very nice. But I find, you know, I thought, oh, well, I can get all kinds of things done. But what I find is when I'm home, I feel like I should be with mom. And when I'm with mom, I feel like I should be at home doing. So no matter where I am, there's this, oh, no, I should be somewhere else doing something else kind of guilt complex going on that Mm -hmm. follows me around. And I was just thinking this morning, if they do release mom next week, I'd really like to have this, this, this done. How can I get that done? A small window now where you have to get things done. Exactly. And so I'm trying to gauge now what I can get done. Now, on the weekends, I'm usually around with mom less because I figure my sisters could come by on the weekends. And for the most part, they will come by. Last weekend, I think they both came by, well, they both came by on Saturday, and I said, next time, divide it up, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if you right. could, you know, because yeah. it works out better. Mm-hmm. That's something um, that but, they wouldn't necessarily have thought of, but you desperately exactly. need, right? Yeah, because then if it means that I don't need to go there that day, then I have a whole day that I can be doing laundry and doing little projects at home that I would never, ever be able to get finished with mom here. And that's something that just doesn't occur to a non-caregiver. No, it doesn't. You know, because, well, their position would be, well, why weren't those things done before? (laughs) Well, the last (laughs) time we spoke... You said that your siblings just don't get it. I mean, it sounds like they're not as removed from the process. Maybe it's just because your mom's in rehab. But it sounds like they're a little bit more engaged now. Do you still struggle with them and their attitude? Yeah, I do. I do. Still a lot of second guessing? Yes. Like uh, when, when she's in the hospital 
And when she's in a rehab facility, then I'm constantly peppered with texts with questions, which is fine. Uh-huh. I mean, of course they want to know. She's their yeah. mom, too. Sure. You know, they have questions. But there is second guessing. And that can be frustrating because I'm but one person and I'm trying to, you know, and they have, they're sitting there at work and they're thinking of all these things and, you know, well, what about this? Well, what about, I'm just one person. There's a limit to what I can do. And I'm trying to spend time with mom and be her advocate, but I'm, I'm visiting rehab places and, you know, doing all kinds of various things. And I have to say that last, I'd say late summer and early fall, Mom had deteriorated to the place that I had discussed with my sisters. We might have to find a facility where she would have to move because mm-hmm. I it was she was getting to the point that I could barely get her around the house. And if I can't get her to the bathroom and back, and if I can't get her to the living room and back to bed, mm-hmm. then that's kind of a deal breaker and a, and a game changer because I can't adequately care for her. And so I had talked to my sisters about, you know, We might have to go look at facilities, and if we never need that information, great. But if we do, I don't want to grab the first place that has an opening. I want to grab something that is the best we can possibly have for her. You know, something that we can afford, for one Mm -hmm. thing, but that we like and that, you know, where we've already had contact with them and we've asked questions. And and I invited them to come with me and I said we can set up times to go that are on the weekend so that you guys can come to without missing any work. Now, before that happened, we were sucked into this going back to the hospital often thing, and so we never had a chance, really, Mm -hmm. to go look at places. It is my contention that we still should do that, because if we ever get to the place where we need a facility where mom would need to move, I still say it would be better to have all of that done in advance, where we can ask questions and make a decision when we're not under such duress, but whether or not when the pressure's not on, I can get them to spend some of their weekend doing that kind of thing. Hell, yeah, well, that we'll, might just we'll be have to see. an executive decision you have to make. It might be. But that's typically where they want to get very involved, interestingly enough. Uh-huh. And, you know, they kept peppering me with questions about the rehab. And I'm fine with questions, but they, well, why can't you get her in a single room? Because when I first got her there, I couldn't get her in a single room. Yeah. And I said, there's not one to be had. And I think this is the right facility. But I did talk to the doctor about it. And within two days, she was moved into a single room. So I was very grateful that we were able to have that done within just a couple of days. Mm -hmm. But that was you know, of great concern at the beginning, but I knew that it probably was going to be a short-term situation, but they Mm -hmm. were very concerned, and Mm -hmm. rightfully so. What's your advice for listeners who are dealing with siblings that may be difficult, if you have advice? Well, my advice would be to engage them or at least offer them opportunities to become engaged. Mm -hmm. Because by including them and asking them, you know, do you have questions? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be here when the doctor comes next. Do you have any questions that you'd like to ask? And I, I mean, I solicit that kind of information from them so I can get answers to questions that they may have that I don't. And that seems to help. And it includes them. And I think they appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And it 
kind of helps keep them off my back a little bit more uh-huh. because cause I'll think of things that they won't have. They'll think of things that I won't have thought of mm-hmm. or that I'll already know the answer to because they'll say, well, what about such and such? And I'll say, well, they visited this back two hospital stays ago and uh-huh. here was the outcome <laughs> right. kind of a thing. And yeah, so, it, yeah. you know, we can kind of can pool our knowledge. So right. I think that seems to be helpful and okay. that seems to be working better for me these days. And like I said, if we have to look for a place where mom might need to move at some point, I want them involved because then they can see the difficulties in trying to make that decision. And Mm -hmm. certainly that will be one of the hardest decisions I ever have to make because ultimately it will be my decision Mm -hmm. because it will be I can't take care of her anymore at home. Right. Maggie, when we last spoke, you were undertaking house renovations, and you anticipated they would be completed by the fall. For folks who don't know, you were sleeping on a love seat in the living room for four mm-hmm. years, right? So you were gonna, you were yes. in the process of converting your dad's old study into your bedroom, and you were also redoing right. your mom's bedroom. So where are you on the house renovations? Well, just about the time the crux of that would have started to happen was when mom quit eating which was particularly bad timing on all levels. And so I have a house full of things to renovate with that I haven't been able to renovate with as yet. The study is still partially dismantled, but not completely dismantled. I'm still sleeping on the love seat. And then Christmas came. I mean, just about the time I thought, okay, maybe I can come up for air long enough to get the bed assembled. Then it was Christmas and it was, oh Mm -hmm. no, okay, now we got to get the living room so that we can put the tree up and I've got to get all the presents bought and wrapped. And and Bob kept saying, I haven't (laughs) bought a single gift. And I thought, oh, yeah, you have. (laughs) The Internet is our friend. We bought lots of gifts. (laughs) And I know the UPS and and FedEx guys on a first-name basis. And, And I was dragging things in from the front porch on a daily basis. But so we have not been able to finish that. And in fact, I just got off the phone with Ikea this morning, rescheduling yet again the furniture assembly. But I anticipate that will be able to be done in March. So as long as that happens in March, then things can start falling into place. But there's a lot to do before that March date to allow that all to happen. And so it depends on what's going on with mom, if she's in another week or two, I'd say that actually helps the odds that that will actually happen. Uh Everything's written in Uh, pencil at this point. That's how my life is. (laughs) It is not my own. And and everything is always written in pencil, because (laughs) otherwise, there are too many scratch outs, because it can turn on a dime. When mom was here with me in the house, I wouldn't know till I go in to wake her up what kind of a day we were going to have. Yeah. How lucid is she today? Where is her mind today? And then there are those precious days when you go in to wake her up and she is there. You mentioned that the last time we spoke and I was going to ask how her Alzheimer's has progressed since then, if you've noticed any changes. I have noticed some, but her doctor assures me that she's doing much better than he would have ever guessed for her to be doing at this stage, Mm -hmm. that he's astonished, Mm -hmm. frankly, with the word he used. Hmm. He said, medically, I can't explain it. Her mental state most of the time. Uh Now, she'll have days where we're out there, way out there. And I I think, okay, it's just going to be one of those days, but it's a day. What does that look like? 
That means that we're talking to things that aren't there or people that aren't there. She is on my case because I didn't invite some of her imaginary friends to eat dinner with us. And how rude was that? And and she's tearing into me about that. Mm. And, you know, things that are very unlike my mother. That is very unlike her. And one night, she just wouldn't stop talking to them. I mean, she huh. just kept talking and talking. and She wouldn't go to sleep. And I, I was exhausted. And she wouldn't stop talking to them. And, and I said, well, Mom, it's time for your friends to go home now. And I know that that seems rude to you, but it's very late and everybody needs some rest. You need rest and your friends need rest and they can come back tomorrow. Wow. And she said, oh, well, that is rude. And I said, well, you know, truth be told, they're probably tired too. <laughs> so let's just everybody take a, a little break so we can all get some sleep uh-huh. and they can come back in the morning. Wow. And, you know, and you just have to kind of suspend belief sometimes. And that seemed to help. As it turned out, she had a UTI. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> all yeah. roads lead back to the UTI. They do. They do. How are you holding up? Tell us about you. How's your health? Um, it's pretty good, actually. Better than I deserve when I'm sleeping on a couch and probably not eating as well as I should. And I eat better when mom's here, I would say, because I'm cooking meals and stuff. It's mm-hmm. easier to just kind of skip things when yeah. she's not. And I've lost some weight, which I wanted to do. So I'm happy about that. It feels good. It was a good thing. It wasn't a bad loss of weight. It was a good loss of weight. When so, was the last time you and, had a checkup? Uh, um, actually, it was in the last month. Good. Self-care. Well, if I'm the weakest link, then mom's in trouble. I've got to stay healthy and strong. So I'm good about getting my flu shot, and I'm good about taking care of myself, because if I get sick, mom's in trouble. Yeah, the wheels I fall mean, off the wagon. Did it take you a while to realize I, that? Yes, it uh-huh. did. Uh-huh. And when I really realized it was two years ago, when mom was in the hospital with yet another UTI, And I got a blood clot in my leg. And I must have had it for two or three weeks before I finally did something about it because I thought I just pulled a muscle. It didn't feel like a blood clot. I Hmm. mean, like you'd think a blood clot would feel. It felt like I pulled a muscle. So I Mm -hmm. just thought, oh, I'm such a klutz. I probably did something goofy. And so it turned out that I had blood clots in my leg. And, you know, they were, you're not walking anywhere, you, you know, stop walking, we're going to put you in bed and you can't move. And I was in ICU and mom's in the hospital and she's completely confused because her person isn't there. Right. Oh, and she let me have it. She was so upset. Mm-hmm. Where have you been? You've been ignoring me. Maggie, have you, <laughs> do you feel like your relationship with your mom has changed even since we last spoke? Yes, and- I do. You get closer But the mother becomes more childlike, and you become maternal. More maternal, would you say? And so, to to her. Mm -hmm. And so, when I'm putting her to bed, it's like putting a little child to bed. She's Mm -hmm. very sweet, and what will we do tomorrow? You know, and I'll say, well, maybe we could do this tomorrow. What would you think of that? Oh, but that would be fun. And I'll say... She'll say, what will we be eating tomorrow? And then uh-huh. we'll talk about that for a little bit. And, yeah. you know, it's like when you put a little child to bed. And then I'll give her a kiss and I'll say, now you have good sleep. And I'll talk to you in the morning. But if you need me in the night, you call and I'll come oh. right in. Wow, what a great you know, daughter. It, oh, I don't know. about that. It's, it's not always 
that picturesque. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) It just means you're human. I remember when we last spoke, you had been approached about doing some part-time work from home. I wondered if you'd done any work of that nature and where you are in, in that regard. Well, when mom got so bad, and deteriorated so much in the fall. It was late summer and fall, Mm -hmm. I would say. It was the kind of thing where there would have to be somebody here with mom because I couldn't do the work while I was taking care of mom. It just Uh wouldn't wouldn't have worked It was going to be an in-home type of work, as I recall, but... It was. But you're saying even with her being debilitated, you would not have been able to swing it. No, I would have needed to have someone else here to Uh take care of her, Uh and I would have needed to go in a room and close the door and just do what I need to do. I'm still hopeful. You know, hope springs eternal. I'm hoping that I will be able to do that at some point. I'm hoping sooner rather than later, like maybe uh, this spring, if I get the house done, then, you know, because that has to happen first. You know, I've got to get that done first. And then after that, maybe we can get better organized and I could have some blocks of time where I have one of the home instead ladies come and stay with mom mm-hmm. and I can go in what will then be my room. I right. will have a bed and a desk mm-hmm. and I can close the door and actually work. And the and offer will still be open. Is that right? Yes. Okay. It sounds like okay. it will be. It sounds kind of open-ended at, at this point, which is nice. So I'm hopeful and some other similar opportunities have popped up. So I'm hoping that I can kind of combine those into several hours a week, you mm-hmm. know, because as it is, I'm not putting anything into retirement and right, I'm not getting any to, younger. You're 55 so now? I, or? I'm 55. I'll be 56 in April. Okay. And so it would be good if I were putting some things away. And two, you know, mom, I hope she lives for a long, long time. And she said not long ago, I hope I live to be 100. And she's 89 now, right? (laughs) She's 89. She'll be 90 in June. Mm -hmm. And when she passes away, it's going to be kind of a beat the clock. I mean, we'll have to divide up the estate. I'm the executrix of her Mm -hmm. estate, so I'll Mm -hmm. have to get all that squared away and taken care of and get out of her place. And I'm a little worried about it because I think my siblings will be pressuring me to hurry up and get things done and get out. And then I'll have to find a job and they'll have to find a place to live. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so there'll be all of this beat the clock kind of action going on that I'm going to feel, I do feel like it will be some pressure at that point. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to do some things in advance that will protect me a little bit. And one of those things, and for other listeners, you might think about this too. On my mom's more lucid days, we've talked about adding a codicil to her will that would allow me to stay in her residence after she has passed Mm -hmm. for so many months Mm -hmm. and that the cost will be borne by the estate Mm -hmm. just to give me some time so that it's not, okay, well, she died on the third of the month, so you got until the 30th, okay, the clock's a ticking. You're in a house, right, of single-family residence? It's actually a duplex. Okay, so you're in a duplex. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that your sisters would give you even a sort of a grace period? I think that they will want it to happen very quickly and will not, you know, and I certainly will not have the wherewithal to float myself, obviously. So it will have to come out of the estate. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that they'd have a problem with that if it's not actually something that's already 
in yeah. the will and mm-hmm. in writing. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as mom is mentally to a place, and she has days like that now where she'd be fine, but yeah. you never know which day it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I need her to be lucid enough that we can get something written up. And then when she signs it, she needs to have a really good, clear day. This isn't about bamboozling anybody. I don't want to take advantage. I just want to make sure that I'm not going to be out in the street, you know. Yeah, of course. Have you talked about that with your sisters, the codicil? I have not, but I think I will before Mm -hmm. it happens Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't spring on them. I think that might go over better. I think with most caregivers, it should really just be a given and they should be grateful that you're doing what you're doing. And that's just me saying my piece as an advocate. Well, we'll have another follow-up well, with that, and hopefully not I, too soon, and I, <laughs> because I, I, I don't want your mom to, I don't want to hasten no, her demise. No, I don't yeah. either, yeah. and particularly it, when she's having a fairly good quality of life, I will ask her from time to time, especially last year when she wasn't eating, I just thought, maybe she's just done, maybe she's done fighting, and I asked her one day, I just said, Mama, are you just tired and, and finished, and she said, no, I'd like to live longer. I want to be around for my great-grandchildren longer. And I said, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> We're I, good. I just needed to know. <laughs> I said, I just needed to know because as your advocate, I need to fight for what you want, mm-hmm. not what I want. I need to fight for what she wants. Mm-hmm. I'm her power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And that's about her wishes, not mine. And so I said, I just needed to know how you felt. She said, no, I, I'm not ready yet. Mm-hmm. I said, Okay. Then, then we're good. I mean, if you could have seen the difference in the past two weeks from where she was when she got out of the hospital to where she was yesterday walking down the hall at the rehab place, it was like night and day. And yeah. I texted my sisters and said, you just can't believe what I just witnessed with my very own eyes. She was tired afterwards, but it wasn't like she was exhausted and had to go to bed. And then the next thing out of her mouth was, when are they serving dinner? <laughs> It's the highlight of the day. (laughs) And then she wanted to know what she was having, what I'd ordered for her. So I think she's happy with her quality of life. I think she gets frustrated sometimes because she can't do the things she used to do by herself. Mm -hmm. But she's feeling good enough now that they're having trouble with her because she'll want to pop up and do things without calling for them to come help Uh her. So she's got the chair alarm and she's got the bed alarm. Uh Oh, yeah. So it's... I'm and familiar with that alarm. setup. <laughs> yeah, I've got the dead alarm here so, at the house, too. Oh, wow. Maggie, we've talked a little bit about what you've been struggling with, but what's good in your life right now? What's good in my life? I think that being able to spend this time with mom, I think I appreciate it more now than I ever have. I know that when she's gone, I will be so grateful to have had this time that I, I won't regret it from that standpoint because we were close before but we're much closer now and she she will look to me when we're in a situation and she's sick you know she'll just look over toward where she knows I am because she's heard where my voice is coming from Mm -hmm. and she just looks over there even though I know her little eyes don't see me she knows that I'm there and she's looking at me because she wants me to take care of her and there is just this unspoken well I know you're there so I know you're going to take care of this we have kind of a shorthand now where we can communicate without a lot of words. I'm never going to regret that. And I'm so grateful 
that I've been able to spend this time with her and that for being 90 years old and for having the problems that she has physically, she's in amazing shape, really. Mm -hmm. And she also is upbeat. I mean, the number of times that she is difficult are very few and far between. Mm -hmm. And she is normally very pleasant to get along with. In fact, that was one of the things they were telling me yesterday at the rehab place. She's so compliant and she tries so hard when we ask her to uh -huh. do things the nice way. And to this day, we talk about dad daily, even mm -hmm. if mom remembers that he's gone. Mm -hmm. Talk about him and she'll say, he was a saint upon this earth. I never deserved him. And I'll say, well, he felt the same way about you. <laughs> he felt he didn't deserve you either. And I said, maybe therein lies the secret. Yeah. Well, they appreciated one another. And mom, mom mm -hmm. still says, even though they might have had disagreements where they had differences of opinion, they never argued. And yeah. that's the part that is so astonishing to me. I mean, they didn't argue. I never heard them argue. Me ever. neither. Same with my parents. We're very lucky. Yes. And it's, and it's very unusual especially in this day and age. I think but you're right. Yeah. It wasn't like they were suppressing all of this hidden anger. You know, <laughs> right. They were secretly seething. They right. just didn't get upset about things yeah. that people get upset about a lot now. And they were just and really well suited, it, was, it sounds like. They were. Yeah. They were. And mom said we were just the right fit. But what's good in my life now is my relationship with my mom, mm -hmm. and I've gotten, I understand some things a lot better now as a caregiver than I did when I started. Such as? I feel like, like, I don't have to get upset when she's not plugged into reality. Mm -hmm. It's okay. If her reality is a happy one, and it's not affecting her day to day, then why not let her mm -hmm. be happy? That was my hang-up, that she wasn't plugged into reality. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about her. That was about me. And so I've, I'm a better caregiver because I've realized that this is not about me. This is about her. And just like all the years when she was my mom, and it wasn't about her, it was about me. And she did that for years and years and years and years for all of us. And so now it's her turn for somebody to do that for her. And I'm fortunate that she doesn't have days where she's afraid, where what she's hallucinating is scary or bad. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. And she's not mean. And a lot of people with Alzheimer's get very agitated. Yeah. And she doesn't do that very much. It could be a lot different than it is for me on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And I know that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful that it's not way. But, you know, I'm also looking forward to getting the renovation of our house done. I'm very much looking forward to that. It's been a long time coming. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh -huh. And having kind of a little refuge of yeah. my own. Well, the last time we spoke, you said this, uh, this experience has made you a little more afraid of growing old. Are you still feeling that way? I am afraid of growing old because I don't have a wonderful husband mm -hmm. by my side at this point and there's nobody in the picture and while I'm taking care of mom there isn't likely to be anybody in the picture. Uh -huh. So yeah I have concerns about growing old but I've had this really good example of how to grow old gracefully in front of me all this time and shame on me if I'm not taking notes and trying to do even half as good as she's done. You know, she's not without her foibles. We all have our pluses and minuses, but she has grown old about as gracefully as you can hope to do so. 
because Mm -hmm. it's hard to do. Our society doesn't cherish the elderly. They don't revere the elderly. And a lot of your dignity gets stripped away. So I try and treat her the way I always have, because there are pieces of mom that still know that she's mom. Even though she's my little girl when I put her to bed, there's still a piece of her that knows that she's my mother. Yeah, sometimes when I'm sitting with my mom, she'll just kind of rub my arm a little bit. And I, I imagine she's thinking, I made this. Yes, and, <laughs> and, and when she looks around at her family, and she had her three daughters, and now we have the next generation, and now, the, now there's the great-grand generation. And I always look at her and I said, look what you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She'll just laugh. She'll mm-hmm. say, we had no idea. And I'll say, but look <laughs> at all the wonderful people. Look at all these perfect little children that we love so much. And we wouldn't have had them if you wouldn't have had my sisters. I said, it should make you feel good. She said, it does. I think that matters to them. I think they like knowing that there's a legacy that will go on mm-hmm. and that they're pieces of mom that will never be gone completely because Mm -hmm. they live on in the rest of us. Your mom is turning 90 on June 2nd, and I want to know if you have anything special planned. Well, I asked her not long ago, would you like to have a party? Because she's not a party person. I said, do you want a party? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, a party it is then. I said, do you want to have friends and family? And she said, I want to have family. So she just wants a family, you know, with my sisters and their mm-hmm. families and mm-hmm. the great-grands. And, mm-hmm. and so that's what I'm going to do. And since it's going to be in June, the odds of the weather being decent are pretty good. Yeah. So, But I'm counting that I will have the renovation and rehabbing done by then. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big backyard for the kids to play in. And so I'm thinking we just have a party here. Then she'll get to see everybody. And not everybody makes it to 90. That's a big deal. Yeah, so it is a big deal. If she wants, then she shall have it. And I tell her all the time, I can't make your eyes work. I can't bring daddy back. I can't make you not dizzy from your vertigo. Mm. But, you know, if she wants a party, that's easy. Good. I want to give you the opportunity to offer any last thoughts. Do you have any last thoughts before we close? Well, I would say this. Based on this past year taking care of mom, As caregivers, sometimes you think, I can't do this. You can, but you have to dig deep. (laughs) There's days when you think, I don't think I can dig that deep, but you can. And particularly if you're caring for somebody that you love, you might not love them every minute the way they're acting, but you still love them and you still want what's best for them. And you can dig deep enough to do what they need to have done. You really can. You just think you can. So don't sell yourself short you're stronger than you think you are. We've been speaking with Maggie McLean, a fellow traveler on the often bumpy road of caregiving. Maggie, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your perspective and send my regards to your mom, even though she doesn't know me. I'd love to send my regards, okay? Thank you. Okay, Maggie. Thanks so much. Okay, Talk bye. to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, if you want to hear more conversations on a specific topic around aging or caregiving, let me know. Tweet me at Jana Panaritis or find AgeWise on Facebook. And you can always call the AgeWise podcast on our toll-free number. It's 800-529-2129. And leave a message. Give us your feedback. It really helps. 
The HYS podcast is produced by me, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network. Thanks for listening. I'm Jana Panaritis. Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.